I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love, pursue me. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. We are so glad that we can worship our God together. Amen in this place. Our God is so good, Father. We are so grateful and thankful who you are and what you do.
for what you have done. You are faithful, steadfast, and true. And Lord, this morning, we uplift your name, and we bless you and give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
worship the living God. No other being gets glory in this place. Oh, we put down everything under our feet and exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We crush it under our feet as saints of the living God. And out of this atmosphere rises up praise and worship to you, Lord. to worship a little bit. Something's going on in the atmosphere. We need to clear it out of here. I command every spirit that is not of God to leave right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that this atmosphere is cleared. It is open for the worship of Almighty God. Lord, we permit only the Spirit of God to speak in this house today. We permit only the Spirit of God to have a place in this place today. Give me one tender. 
creation and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And Lord, we lay it down. We tear it down. We bring it down. And Lord, we lift you up. We bless you in this place. Hallelujah. Let the fire of God burn from heaven in the name of Jesus. And when I declare the fire of God to fall in this place, right now, in the name of Jesus, let your fire fall, Lord. Let it burn in our hearts and in our bones. Let the fire of God burn the wood, the hay, and the stubble in the name of Jesus. If there is anything that you need to be free from right now, if it's a sickness, a disease, a worry, a care, an affliction, a burden, I just want you to step out in the aisle right now. Next to your seat, just step out in the aisle. Hallelujah. And I want those of you that have stepped out, I want you to say, Lord, thank you that I am free. Thank you that I am free. Declare your freedom. Declare your freedom. Declare your freedom. I want you to say this. Say, I believe, I receive. Thank you, Lord. I believe that I receive. I have it now. It's mine right now. Hallelujah. Oh, rejoice a little bit. Rejoice a little bit. Rejoice a little bit. to receive it, you've got to believe it and act on it. Now you may, you may think that that little thing is strange, but you know, that's an act of faith. How I many know faith acts? Faith expresses what it believes by the words it says and the action it takes. That's how faith expresses itself. Aren't you glad that we have expressive faith? Hallelujah. Well, if you're free, you can sit down. Amen. Hallelujah. You appreciate our worship team. They do such a fantastic job and, you know, they're pursuing the glory. And God brings the glory 
to us through them. Well, today is Communion Sunday. And we're going to participate in communion. So if you haven't had a chance to get your elements, you can go ahead and do that now. They're in the back. If you haven't done that already, I'll give you an opportunity to get your elements. Praise God. Not only do we have communion, but we have some fresh insight about communion today. I came across a scripture that I'd never really seen before until today. And we're going to look at that. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace today and your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. It's an exciting time as we're getting all things ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, he's not a baby anymore, but uh, we do celebrate his birth. Amen? Because without his birth, we'd be <laughs> in the grave or gone or whatever. So, how I many we have been given access to God through his blood. Right? His blood opened the doorway for us to have a right relationship with God. And there is a tangible power about the blood of Jesus. It's not just, it has power. The blood of Jesus is powerful. And, uh, you know, when you think of Eden, where God created the man and he put put him there to take care of it, when you think about Eden... You know, you could say, oh, it's a garden, it's a beautiful place. But you know what? It was a place of sinlessness. It was the beginning. And it was a place of dominion. It was a place of authority, strength, health, and all the blessings of God. It was in Eden where man heard the first words of God saying, you are blessed. And uh, it's a place of excellence, triumph, and abundance. Amen? It was an earthly picture of heaven. It was heaven on earth. And God's going to do that again when he returns. Amen? And uh, unfortunately, man lost his place in Eden through sin. Right? They call it the original sin. And uh, every sin that we don't deal with will deal with us. I'm just going to give you a couple examples. Balaam refused to confront covetousness, which became his downfall. Gehazi refused to deal with the greed, and it got him leprosy. And Samson refused to deal with his lust, which got him a haircut and lost his strength. Right? So if we don't deal with sin, it'll deal with us. Right? But we have someone who is for us, who has overcome sin. He was tempted in all points like we are, but he said no. 
He stood his ground and he refused to give in sin. And because he did that, he won. And he gave us the victory. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 2.14, it says, Therefore, since these his children share in flesh and blood, he himself in similar manner also shared in the same, but without sin. Glory to God. So that through death he might uh, make powerless him who had the power of death. Oh my goodness. Jesus conquered death through his death. Amen? Now we have to deliberately let go of sin in a violent way. What do I mean by that? I mean we have to utterly reject sin. We have to stand in opposition against it. Sin, if you let it in, it will destroy you. It may not be immediate, but it will. All right, so we have to oppose it. We have to to be repulsed by sin. Not let it in us. You know, there were people in the Bible, like Joseph, he refused to sin. And with the power of Christ, we can do the same. Did you know that his, the power of the cross brought us out from the dominion of sin? If you're out from its dominion, it has no control over you or no power over you, and you can actually resist it. Amen? And in, in Eden, you know, we have to get back to the Edenic order of life. And isn't that what Jesus did? He restored us so that we could walk with God in the cool of the day. He restored our fellowship so we can go before God's throne boldly. Amen? Everything that Jesus did caused that broken relationship to be repaired. He wiped it out. He bridged the gap. You know, Jesus lived for 33 and a half years. He lived a sinless life. He was the only one after Adam who lived a sinless life. Amen? And we were born into sin, but when we met Christ, the sin nature went bye-bye, and we got God's nature. We are new creatures. Say, I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. Now, how do we get back to Eden? We walk with God. We fellowship with God. We communicate with God. Amen? We practice his word in our lives. Notice this scripture of Isaiah 51 verse 3. Isaiah 51 verse 3. For the Lord will comfort Zion. That's the church. Amplified says in her captivity. He will comfort all her ruins. He will make her wilderness like Eden. Uh Uh-huh. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. That means God can restore and repair your mess. If you made a mistake, it can be overcome through him. And then it says, joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice like a melody. Amen? Hallelujah. And Ezekiel 36, 35 says, Then they will say, this land that was deserted and desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. Say, I'm well watered. 
I'm well fed and I'm spirit led. Hallelujah. That's what God does. Amen. So here's what the Passover blood says. The Passover blood says pass over to every evil. When every evil comes knocking at your door, the Passover blood says you need to pass by. You need to go on. You got the wrong place. I'm telling you, communion is directly related to the Passover. When they applied the blood to the doors, death angel couldn't come. When he saw the blood on the doors, the death angel had to pass by. He had to pass over. Could not come in. That's the power of the blood. No evil force can withstand the power of the blood. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. The blood of Christ is the key to freedom of every yoke of bondage. And the power behind the blood is the very life of God in the blood. The Bible says that life of the flesh is in the blood. God's very life was in the blood that was shed because Christ was God's son. He was the word made flesh. His blood was holy. His blood was pure, untainted. Invoking the blood brings God on the scene. Oh, hallelujah. When you plead the blood, you're bringing God on the scene. Amen. Why? Blood speaks of his covenant. When you plead the blood, God takes over the battle. Hallelujah. Plead the blood over the sickness. God takes over the battle. That means the battle is won. Hallelujah. The blood of Christ renders Satan impotent. That means no power. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. Cover yourself with the blood of Jesus. Every day. And become a no trespass zone to Satan. Say I'm a no trespass zone to Satan. Hallelujah. When you apply the blood, you posted the no trespassing sign on your property. Plead the blood on your finances. Plead the blood on your car. Plead the blood over your children when they go to school. Plead the blood over your workplace and your workstation. Hallelujah. You are in no trespassing zone. To Satan. <laughs> I found these notes written in a notebook that I had. I don't know when I wrote it. But I, I rewrote them last night. So I can give them to you. Amen. The blood over you secures you from torture, affliction, and all the works of Satan. Mm. The blood of Christ is our stronghold against corruption in this world. Glory to God. When God looks at us, he sees that we've been pulled out of the fire. We've been washed clean and are filled. Hallelujah. Amen? So this is what we're doing when we're taking this juice and this bread. Think about it. The night before Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks, knowing what it meant. He said, this is my body, which was broken for you. 
Let us eat. And in like manner, he took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. We have a new covenant. It's been upgraded. You've been upgraded to first class. He said, this blood is shed for you. Let us drink. And let us give God praise for the power that's in his blood and the dominion that we have in his blood and the righteousness that we have in his blood. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm excited about the blood. Glory to God. There's nothing else on this planet. There's no mineral. There's no gem. There's no precious metal that can wipe away our sin. There's one thing, and that is the blood of Jesus, and it's still flowing from Emmanuel's veins today. Amen? All right. We'll come and do our confession, and then we'll... Go on. Hallelujah. My lovely wife, Pastor Fiona. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Well, after knowing the dominion of the blood, you ready to speak the word? Amen. And make our confession? Let's make our confession of faith. Our Our Heavenly Heavenly Father Father has given to us another comforter comforter to comfort us, encourage us, and strengthen us. He helps us to stay on God's course. God's Holy Spirit abides with us forever. He is our advocate of truth and our divine tutor to guide us in life. We have the Spirit of wisdom who teaches us all things. He is eternal. He was involved in creation. And he knows all things. We are learning great things from him. The Holy Spirit is our personal powerhouse who abides within us and overshadows us. Through him we can boldly testify how good our Father God is. We welcome and receive help in all things through the Holy Spirit. He helps us solve problems, find solutions, and outsmart all enemies to give us victory in life. The Holy Spirit is our greatest ally who stands for righteousness, holiness, and truth. He always glorifies and honors the Lord Jesus and his kingdom. God's spirit unveils and reveals to us what is ours. He provides us with special abilities and extraordinary power through divine grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Before the announcements, I just want to share something. Yeah, go ahead. I came across the scripture yesterday. I shared it with the worship team. but I thought maybe you'd like to hear it too. Um, it is found in Ecclesiastes, you already go there much, chapter 11 and verse 7, and this is in the New Living. Do we have that version? Okay, it's New Living. It says, light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day 
dawning. And I thought to myself, light has a taste. Have you ever heard that before? Light is sweet. So when God in the beginning, you know, God said light be, it didn't just put brightness into the atmosphere, but it also put a flavor in the atmosphere. Because light is sweet. And so if light is sweet, darkness must be something too. (laughs) Bitter. So every morning, this verse was talking about a new day dawning. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. If you don't have light to look forward to the next day, it's not pleasant for you, is it? Right? Think of someone who's in depression, who has heartache they don't want to wake up the next day they just you know just want to stay sleeping but light is what's needed to change the atmosphere and so when the first thing god did when he came on the scene was speak light so now when you speak light you're pushing back darkness but you're also changing the taste of life in Psalm 34, 8, that verse that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you put to those two together, now you have something to, uh, a frame of reference for what you can consider God to taste like. That God is sweet. Amen? You remember when he told the children of Israel that he's taking them to a land with milk and honey? Isn't that a sweet flavor? Right? Whenever God pushes darkness out of our life, we should be left with a sweet taste, a sweet aroma in the atmosphere. Right? So if you find that things are are feeling bitter to you, darkness is present. And you have to be aware of that. A lot of people think that if they have bitterness, they should forgive. Like, you know, they feel bad towards someone. But I would say bring light on the situation first, right? And that will help you to repent. That will help you to forgive. That will help you to show love. Because the first, uh, the premise, the way God set up the precedent, so to speak, is he always brings light first. When he told, uh, in, in the book of Ephesians and Colossians and those books that talk about praying for those that... Um, that don't know Christ or your family members, it says open the eyes of their understanding that they can see, right? So that all has to do with light. So anytime you come against anything bitter, start speaking light to change it from darkness to light and from bitter to sweet. Amen? That's good, isn't it? Here comes Melissa. I wonder what her uh, thing is. Wouldn't it be cool if she talks about light? Good morning, everybody. So, I guess I'll start with my fact for today, because it kind of has to do with light. Um, I was reading my book last night, and I was reading about magnets and magnetism. And lots of things have a magnetic pool because of how they're built with atoms, protons, electrons, the whole science thing. But the power comes from when they're actually aligned. That's what gives magnets their strength. So I learned that our Earth's core 
Like compasses, they align with our Earth's core because of the huge magnetic pull that the Earth has. And that comes from the heat and the lava that is in the center of the Earth. So it can generate such a huge pool of magnetism because it is constantly moving. Like it's basically a giant electromagnet in the center of our Earth. So how this relates is what's inside of us is Holy Spirit. It is hot, right? And it is always moving, and it generates a pool that people don't always quite understand, like why they are attracted to you. But there's that scripture that says, you know, Jesus will be lifted high, and all men will be drawn unto him, because he is the ultimate magnet. So, and our power comes from, and our direction comes from, when we are aligned with Holy Spirit. So I am so happy that we are at a place where we are aligned with Holy Spirit and all of our events do too. So on Tuesdays, we have youth at 6 p.m. Woohoo! All right, and we are having a cookie sale and a coffee sale. We always have fresh coffee, so feel free to purchase some to support the youth. And today is the last day to get your order in for cookies because we will be baking them fresh all this week so you can have them for next Sunday. We got oatmeal, chocolate chip, peanut butter, all the good kinds. Order lots of cookies. And this Wednesday will be Wednesday night refreshing at 6.30. It is awesome to come here in the middle of the week and just hear the word of God. It keeps you full all week long. Thursday is Bible Adventure, which is where we have third graders through fifth graders. They get released from school for like an hour, and they come and get to hear about the Word of God. And it says specifically that we provide opportunities to experience life changes through personal encounters with God. And I know that's what's happening. So if you know kids and teenagers, invite them to come to VCF. Just a couple dates to keep in mind. They're coming up quickly. Our youth is having their Christmas party on December 21st. It's a great time. We play lots of games. We laugh hysterically. We encounter Jesus like we do every time we get together. So invite people out for that. And then December 22nd is a Wednesday night, and that is when we will have our Christmas candlelight service. And that is regular Wednesday night refreshing time at 6.30. Oh, and we have Woven this Friday. And that's at 6. Yeah. 6 or 6.30. Be here. 6.30. No, 6. Oh, my goodness. Come to VCF. That's the message. And we also um, have our, our curriculum from uh, one of our uh, kids' life, Because I'm a Christian, I Can. I uh, recently uh, published uh, 13 lessons in there, uh, not only just for kids, but if you want to have a Bible study in your home, it would be a great book to reach out to your neighborhood and friends. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say with me, sew up. And I'm going to tell you what that means here in just a second. Why don't you go with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. And uh, starting with verse 1, 
It says, now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Did you know that the Lord will make you famous? He did for Abraham, and he'll do it for you if he wants to. And uh, so she came to Jerusalem with a very large caravan. Everybody say a caravan. You know, she was about to meet the wisest king in all the earth, uh, and she brought a huge gift. Now, would you say that a queen does pretty good? If you're the queen of a country, you're doing pretty good, right? Okay. So she came to Jerusalem with a very large caravan with camels carrying spices, a great quantity of gold, precious stones, And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about everything that was on her mind. You know, if you want to have extensive time with the king, bring a big gift. Amen? Okay. Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon... The house which he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters, and their attire. Not just how they served, but what they were wearing. And the cupbearers, and his stairway by which he went to the house, or the temple of the Lord, She was breathless and awed by the wonder of it all. She was like, oh, she passed out. You know, have you ever seen so much wealth in one place that you're overwhelmed? Okay. We got to come up higher. Now, you wouldn't think... Of giving something to a king who has so much, would you? But she did. It wasn't even a uh, thought that she struggled with. She came with the gifts. She purposed in her heart. She said, "I'm going to go see this king and ask him questions. I'm going to bring a big. I'm going to bring him a big offering." All right. Notice this now. Okay. Verse six. Then she told the king the report which I heard in my own about in my own land about your words and wisdom is true. I did not believe the report until I came and saw it. <laughs> you know, some people just need to come to VCF in order to believe. Right? And behold, the half of it was not told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report that I heard. How blessed are you your men? How blessed is this man? Say, I'm blessed because I'm connected with the blessing. Okay, how blessed are these your servants who stand continually before you hearing your wisdom? Blessed be the Lord God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He made you a king to execute justice and righteousness. She gave the king 120 talents of gold. Now, a talent is anywhere from 50 to 80 pounds, right? And there's 16 ounces in a pound, right? I did the math. This is anywhere between 1.4 and $2 million worth of gold, okay? Now, 
why would you invest one to two million dollars in a king who is the richest king? Why would you give to God who has everything? You're going to find out why in just a second. Stay tuned to this channel. Okay? And a very quantity of spices and precious stones. Okay? Never again did such an abundance of spices come into Israel. All right? Now, this is the key right here. Look at verse 13. Oh, my goodness. You got your shouting clothes on? Okay, the Queen of Sheba, she's rich, right? She gives a huge offering to someone who's even richer, right? And when we give to God, he's going to give to us. Now, notice what happens in verse 13. King Solomon, in turn, gave to the Queen of Sheba everything she wanted, whatever she asked besides what he gave her. In other words, when you sow into someone who's richer, you're going to get more coming back to you. So she returned to her own country and her own servant. Now listen to this. Oh, this was good. This phrase he gave in turn to her is literally according to the hand of king. It followed an ancient custom for nobility and royalty. The king was obligated to give a visitor especially a visiting dignitary, dignitary, a greater gift than he received. Everybody say a greater gift than he received. Oh, my goodness. From the visitor. Solomon went far beyond the custom in lavishing gifts on the queen. She brought this gift, and immediately she got a bigger return. She went home with more than what she brought. That's what, how giving works in the kingdom. My goodness. So when you give today, I want you to keep that in mind. Amen? As you give, you can give in person, you can give online, you can give in the bookstore, however you want to give. There's a way for you to give. Amen? Father, I just give you thanks and praise for every giver. And Lord, I speak a blessing of increase and prosperity and abundance on their gifts, Father. And I thank you that, that you caused a great, wonderful return and a harvest come to them in super abundance, in Jesus' name, amen. Of course, you can give any time during the service in our containers on either side. Glory to God. All right, kids and teachers of kids' life, the time has come for you to enjoy the presence of God. Amen. So kids, have an awesome lesson. Experience the power of God. Glory to God. I'll tell you what. Uh, you you may not know it today, but we're we're sitting by a rich stream today. There's a lot of things that are coming out today. Amen. You glad you're here this morning? Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Let's dig into this further. All right. We're last week we started a series called the generosity. Of God. How many know that our God is generous? He is a giver. He always has been a giver. He always will be a giver. And no one will ever outgive God. You could try. I dare you to try. Right? You know, giving is one area that we can prove God. It's Malachi 3. God said, Prove me. 
and it's about uh, bringing our tithes and offerings to the storehouse. And he said, prove me. You want to see if God's faithful? Prove him. Amen? But we're not talking about giving or tithing today, but we're talking about the generosity of God, the nature of God that causes him to give. Amen? I'm so glad that our God is a giver. Right? And uh, we learned that we see God's generosity in his goodness. Right? God is good. Say, God is good. Say, God is good to me. All right? We see his, his generosity in his faithfulness. Aren't you glad that God stuck with you and he stuck with me? Amen? And we see God's goodness in his love. And we see God's goodness in his kindness and in his wisdom, power, and provision. Right? We see his generosity, his willingness to give his only son. His willingness to give man the planet that he created. Did you know that the Bible says the heavens belong to God, but the earth he gave to man? Amen. What a gift. The gift of free air. The gift of having our functions in our body where we don't have to think about them. Aren't you glad you don't have to think about breathing? Praise the Lord. We can just do it because that's how God created it. Right? So what, what does God give? He gives good things. He gives right things. He gives lasting things. And he gives his best. Never will God give anything less than his best. Everything that God gives is his best. Now, some people choke on the gift of God because they just can't handle his goodness. That's too much. I can't handle it. All right. How does God give? How does he give? He gives lavishly. He gives richly. He gives abundantly. He gives more than. That means more than enough. Right? If you have a need, God is always going to give you more than meets that need. Right? How I many know Abraham just needed some cows and God gave him a whole herd? Right? Do you realize that Abraham and his nephew had so many cows that they couldn't stay in the same vicinity? Because they were too much. Everybody say too much. And uh, God gives to the overflow. Right? And why does God give? Why does God give? He gives because he loves. His sole motive for giving is love. He gives on purpose. Every gift that God has given is on purpose. He planned for you to have it. How many times did he have to tell the Israelites, I've given you a land before they took it? He said it a lot. Right? Well, repetition is how we learn sometimes. He gives because he desires to. That's just who he is. And he gives because it's his nature. Our God is a giver. And we were looking at the Christmas story and how we see God's generosity in the Christmas story. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Christmas story. 
This is the greatest story ever told. Right? All the names in this story have not been changed because God doesn't have to protect the innocent. Okay? And we're going to start with verse 68. And we're going to start with the prophecy of Zechariah after he believed God and his voice was loosed. You know, for nine months, he didn't believe God. And when you can't speak for nine months, you're going to have a heart change. How many know that if you couldn't do something for nine months, you might uh, rethink how you believed your original uh, you know, the angel came to Zachariah and said, you're going to have a son, but he didn't believe it. So he said, okay, I'm going to shut your mouth. Oh, you know, I mean, he came out of the priest thing. He couldn't talk for nine months. That'll give you a change of heart, won't it? So here he is after nine months. Okay. And the spirit of God comes on Zechariah in verse 68. And he says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. What is has visited and has redeemed? Is that present tense or past tense? All the English teachers, right? Past tense, right? Thank God. Jesus was just born. Or he wasn't born yet. But he is saying God has visited us. And God has redeemed us. As if it already occurred. Oh, get this. He is seeing in the prophetic, he is seeing the end of what had begun. He is looking by the Spirit of God and he's seeing the ending of what has just now begun. Right? So he blessed, everybody say, bless the Lord. You know, blessed be the Lord. It is our job to bless God. He has given us the privilege and the opportunity to bless. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. How many are all in for God? Amen? We're all in. Let me just give you a couple verses. Psalm 41, 13. It said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. When should your blessing of God end? It's never going to. Guess what? We can bless God now, and when we get to heaven, we're going to continue to bless God. Do you realize angels are flying around his throne still blessing God right now? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Every time they fly around that throne, they are magnifying his holiness and his awesomeness and his majesty. Psalm 72, verse 18. Psalm 72, verse 18 said, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. You don't need anybody else if you have God. Amen? But the way that God designed it is he works through people. If you need money, God's not going to send you money from heaven. There's no ATMs in heaven. There is no mint in heaven. God does not have a printing press in heaven. If he's going to get money to you, it's going to be from someone on this earth. He's going to get it to you. Why? God's not a counterfeiter. Amen? Okay. Psalm 106, verse 48. 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Hallelujah. Let all the people say amen. amen. What does that mean? It means so be it. All right? So, Zechariah, he said, God has visited us. Isn't it good when God visits you? When someone whom you love and whom you enjoy their presence and whom you benefit greatly from their visit comes and visits you. He said, bless the Lord who has visited his people. That phrase, visited, is the Greek word episkitomie, yeah, something like that. It means to inspect, to go to see, to look upon, to visit, to select. I'm telling you, God came and visited us. Amen? He loves you so much that he will come and visit with you. God will come and have lunch with you. He will come just to hang out with you. Amen? Do you realize that God enjoys spending time with you? He enjoys fellowshipping with you. He enjoys doing activities with you. Our God is a fun-loving God. You know what fun-loving means? Someone who loves fun. God's not boring. He's fun. Anyone who is the source of joy, you know that they're fun because they're the life of the party. Right? So God visited us. He came to look upon us. He, he came because he wanted to spend time with us. So he left heaven and he came to us. This is his goodness. That God Almighty would come and spend time with you. He sets up appointments with us. He never misses. Sometimes we do. But he never does. He looks forward to his time with you. You know, God looked forward to the time that he spent with Moses in the tabernacle. You realize they didn't have a church in the wilderness, so they, God had them build a tent, a $7 billion tent. That's a pretty good tent. You, you know, God's first house was a mobile home. They could pack up the tent and move it. And whenever, they moved, whenever God told them to stay, they would stay, and they would set it up, and he would come and abide in that tabernacle. Moses would walk in and the glory of God would come down. And the Bible says that Moses would talk to God like a man speaks to his friend. They would have conversation. They would have communication. Why? God likes to visit you. And God has visited us. He has visited the earth. He didn't leave it to the evil. He came and inspected the earth so that he could change what was going on. Like He was like an undercover boss. Amen? God put on flesh and Satan didn't know it. He thought he was just some ordinary man. But no, he was the second Adam. He said, I'm, I'm come here to make things right. To right the wrong. He was the undercover boss. So he has visited us. Go with me to Luke 7. I want you to see a story here in the Gospel of Luke. Beautiful story of how God's visit will change your life. God's visit will change your life. How many want to be changed? Then set up a visit with God. 
Say, God, come and have tea with me or coffee. Lord, I'm taking a drive. Why don't you come in my car and drive with me? I'm going on vacation. Lord, you want to come and join us on vacation? Why? God's, God has visited us. He, he visits us. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 11, Luke 7, 11. <laughs> and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And in many of his disciples went with him and much people. So we got a large group of people, don't we? Now, when he came near to the gate of the city, he went to visit the city. What happens when God visits? Things change. Behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So she, he was an only child. This woman lost her husband, and now she lost her son. You can imagine the grief, the sorrow, the pain. They're, they're in the funeral procession. But God came to visit that city. And much people of the city was with her. So she, she must have been well-loved, well-respected. Right? And when the Lord saw her, why? Because he came to visit her. He had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. So the Lord came to visit this city and he brought compassion with him. And they were about to have a compassion party because someone in this city needed some compassion. They needed a touch. See, compassion actually moves you to action. And he had compassion on her and he said, weep not. Why? She was weeping. How many know God can come to you at your, t- your darkest hour? In your greatest need? He can speak a word that can change your entire situation. All because he visits you. Because that's the goodness of God. That's the love of God. That's the faithfulness of God. That's the generosity of God. God is generous in his time. He gives his time to mankind. He has no watch. He doesn't operate right time, but he comes into our time. He can go in and out of time. He's the ancient of days. And he came and touched the coffin. Oh my goodness, God will come and interrupt something that's dead. He came and touched the thing that was carrying death. He came and touched the thing that was carrying the, the, they were saying their goodbyes. This was the last uh, journey of this young man. They were carrying him. He touched the coffin. Didn't even touch the man. Why? Jesus came into our death and touched us and brought life. That's, why, that's what happens when he visits us. You know, when God shows up, he says, hey, I brought life with me. You want some? Anybody want some life pie? You can have a whole one and you won't gain a pound. It'll be good for you. Hey, I brought some love pie. You want some love? Hey, I brought some power pie. You want some power power muffins? When God visits with you, he brings some stuff with him. 
He brings some good things with him to distribute and be generous to you. And they that bear him stood still. The pallbearers, they're carrying this coffin. Jesus said, I ain't moving. You know, I don't know if they're carrying it on the shoulders or like this. But they, they, he touched it and they stopped. They didn't move. Okay? Like, what is this guy touching this coffin? He just came to the city. I don't even know if he knew the person. You know, I mean, he knew them as God, but... But he had compassion on her. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. You talk about a funeral procession that just got changed. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. My goodness, I was going to bury my son and God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. What happens when God visits you? Dead things come alive. Depressing funeral processions stop. Joy comes on the scene. Life comes on the scene. Why? Because our God is generous. I want to be at a funeral like this. Not only did he sit up, but he began to speak. Hey, mom, how's it going? Woo! (laughs) You know, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've often wondered what would happen if everybody's viewing the coffin and the person just sits up. You'd freak everybody out. And there came fear on all. And they glorified God. Oh my goodness. When God shows his goodness, we were gonna, we're gonna glorify him. Anytime that God shows his goodness, he gets glorified. They glorified God saying that a great prophet has risen up among us and that God has visited his people. When God visits, God is a social God. He's a personal God. He likes groups and small settings. He can handle large groups and individuals. But when God visits, something happens. God visited his people to provide for them. And look at verse 17. And the knowledge of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. We need to have some miracles that cause knowledge to go forth. Amen? God visit VCF. Amen? God visit my neighborhood. God visit my home. If God said he had visited us, then that means we can pray for him to visit. Amen? Amen. Then another thing that Zechariah said, go back to chapter 1, and look at verse, he also said that not only did he visit us, but he redeemed 
his people. In other words, he brought us redemption. Hey, I brought you some redemption. Would you want some? When God visits, he brings gifts with him. He brought, he, this word brought means I make or I manufacture. God made redemption. God manufactured redemption. Hallelujah. He made it. Who did he make it for? He made it for you and I. God made redemption for us. That was his plan for us. Hallelujah. You know, it's the same word when Jesus went to his disciples and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The making of fishers of men is the manufacturer. It's the same word, I brought you, or I, I, I'm, I've given you redemption. He, he has redeemed us. It's the same word. Amen? So, when God, God has visited us and he has redeemed us, verse 69, and has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant. Now, we don't really think of a, when we think of a horn these days, we think of, uh-uh, uh-uh. Man, when I visited India, I really got tired of hearing the horn. Let me tell you. You know, not only did I hear it in traffic, you know, the horn sometimes works better than brake. I mean, constantly. But we were in the mall. My last day in, in India, we went to this mall. And I was just doing some shopping because that was the only day that I had. I was, I was busy preaching each, every day and uh, wanted to get some things for the family. And in this mall, they had this train that kids could ride on, right? But the train didn't have tracks, right? It just, it, it, was, it was like a golf cart type thing and it would just drive through the mall. And guess what it had on it? If it didn't kind of, uh, uh, it had a horn on it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. There's a horn on the train in the mall? If people were in the way, that, that train driver would honk that horn until they moved out of the way. <laughs> but he gave us a horn of salvation. What's a horn of salvation? It's an instrument of power. It is power that helps you overcome its overcoming strength. Now, if you're te- maybe you're from Texas and you think of the Longhorns, right? That's a cow with some really long horns, right? You think of the strength of a bull, and this is this is what this word represents. The horn represents strength and power, overcoming power. So God has redeemed us, but He also has uh, raised us up. Overcoming power. Glory to God. Say, I have overcoming power. And he raised up this horn of salvation, this mighty, valiant Savior. Jesus is the horn of our salvation. He's the strength of our life. Say, Jesus is the strength of my life. Yeah, he's, he's our source of strength. He makes weak things strong. Oh, by the way, I'm visiting you and I'm bringing you some strength today. I'm bringing you some peace today. This is what God does when he visits. So, he saved us. He raised up a horn of salvation for us. Everybody say, for me. 
in the house of his servant David. What does that mean? God set up David as the righteous line through which the Savior would come. And Joseph was a descendant of David. And Mary was a descendant of David. So God was true to his word. That he was going to send a Savior to visit the earth through the righteous line which he established. How many know God's a God of order? God is not confused, but the devil sure is. God is never confused. Wherever there is confusion, the enemy is working. Because God brings wisdom and discernment and understanding. Hallelujah. So, he's prophesying about Jesus. And then he says in verse 70, As he spoke... By the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Ever since man fell, God knew what he was going to do. He told the serpent, he said, because you've done this, you're going to, you know, God turned the the devil into a dust buster. Right? He really became a dirt devil. You're going to crawl on your belly and suck dust. That sounds like a vacuum cleaner to me. Right? But... God knew, he said, yeah, you're going to crush, you're going to uh, crush his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He knew from the very beginning that, what, that God was going to come and visit us and bring us a savior. Amen. That was, he, he, knew that, he knew that before it happened. He knew what man was going to do. Well, why did he let man do it? Because he gave us a, a, the ability to choose. Every, every one of us God will never interfere with our ability to choose. See, if you, if you love someone, you don't have to force them to love you. You just have to show how much you love them and give them the choice. And that's what God did for us. I mean, he could have gotten everybody saved, couldn't he? But he wanted people to choose him out of a heart of love. You know, God's in com- into commandments, but he's not into mandates. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say that. Okay, so why did he give us this horn? Verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us Amen. or abhor us. Say, I'm free from haters. I'm free from enemies. See, does that mean that our enemies are going to disappear? No, that means that we have the strength to overpower the enemy when they attack us, when they come against us. This is what salvation does. Salvation gives to us the authority of God. We see the generosity of God. He gives us his authority. He gives us his power. Why? Because he knew that we were going to need it. We got to use his authority and power. Amen? Hallelujah. So, we're saved from our enemies and all that hate us, verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. God giving us, God remembering, God showing mercy, all speaks to his goodness. It all speaks to his generosity. It all speaks to his giving nature. Amen? Say, everything that God gives 
to me is good. Yeah, James tells us all good and perfect gifts come down from above from the Father of lights, from the Father of sweet tasting lights. Amen? And he has no, there's no shadow of turning. Do you realize every one of you are called by God? You were called the minute you were born into this earth. Every one of us has a calling. My calling is to help people find their treasure and inheritance in God's word. Your calling might be different. Maybe it's to be a homemaker or a nurse or whatever or a teacher or whatever or a carpenter or whatever. It doesn't matter. Every one of those is a calling. God anointed people with the Holy Spirit to craft the metal of the tabernacle. That was a calling. God anointed people to make the garments that the priests wore. That's a calling. It's not just about preaching, but we should all be preaching. So, from the moment you were born, God designed you. God made you. God manufactured you. God breathed life into you. And he, breathed, he brought you forth with a purpose. With an assignment. Every one of us, doesn't matter your age, and God will never take away your assignment Although some people never figure out what their assignment is. But it is still available to them because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He's not going to give you a calling. He's not going to call you to do something or assign you to do something and then take it away from you. He leaves it up to us to discover what that calling is. How do you discover what that calling is? When you enjoy his visits. When you enjoy his fellowship. When you commune with God, he's going to show you what your gift is. He's going to reveal to you, son, daughter, this is why I made you. This is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to do it for. This is where I want you to do it. Right? I knew I was called to preach, but I didn't know where I was called to preach. When I was in Bible school, God said, you're going to travel for a short time and then you'll pastor. I had no idea where I would pastor. I just knew that it it would happen sometime. Why? Because God told me. So, what do you do in the meantime? You do what you know to do. If you're called to travel for a short time, call up people and say, hey, can I come preach? That's what I did. I called people, I called pastors that I I administered to in, in PFC. I called pastors that I knew that were friends of mine, and, and God opened up doors. I got to preach for a, a week revival in my hometown at a church. It was wonderful, glorious. Got to preach in Indiana, got to preach in different countries, got to preach in different places. But God never took away the gift, but he, he allowed me to, I could, I could invest as much of myself as I wanted to in, in the gift that he gave me. And, but you know, see, when you follow God, he will have signposts along the way to direct you. How many ever traveled across country or anything? You know, in America, we're blessed. Our, our, our turnoff signs are very well marked. Now, some of us like me just happen to make extra turns. Fiona and I laugh when I'm driving and I miss a turn and I say, oh, just turn around. Ah, yeah, it's just part of the process. <laughs> ah. Some of us are, are, are better blessed 
in discerning directions than others. <laughs> Thank God for GPS. That's all I got to say. So I felt led to get involved in the worship center. Because we had moved from Tennessee to Pennsylvania. We were helping Fiona's dad. And uh, then that changed. And then now we were attending the worship center. And so we asked the Lord what he wanted us to do. Because we had all this time. And uh, God showed us what to do. He showed me to get involved in their Bible school, which at that time they had a Bible school and it was at night. So it, would, it was great with my work schedule. And uh, anyway... Needless to say, I helped in the Bible school, I taught a class, and then I taught a course, and then they were going to restructure the Bible school. But you, how many know that you've got to still follow God, you've got to still listen to his voice, right? Because God visited me. He told me some things to do, but I've I got to listen to him continually to get every step, right? Because God works in steps. The steps of, an or, of a righteous man are what? Ordered by God, and he delights in their path. So, in a meeting that I was at, they were talking about this church that had been without a pastor for a year. Something hit me. I mean, it exploded in me. It's like, you know, my my dug ears were up. You know, I used to have a nickname when I played baseball. They called me Puppy Pishka. I don't know why. (laughs) <laughs> True. <laughs> what, what if I had not listened to God to get involved in that Bible school? Well, God could have gotten you to the mess. Yeah, but, you know, when he tells you to be at a place, he's got something for you at that place. So you better be in that place. You know, when God tells you to be part of a church, you better be part of that church. Otherwise, you're going to miss some things that God has for you. And it was in that meeting, and right after that meeting, I said, what do I got to do to put my name in? We were one of seven candidates. And they, they, they got, obviously, they got us, you know, they voted us in unanimously. And, and nobody that was part of the, of, of the team that brought us here are here anymore. Y'all are in a new crew. <laughs> so... That brings me to another point. This has nothing to do with this, but someone needs to hear this. If you know where you're called to be, then adversity can't make you go. It's too hard. Well, you can't leave until God says leave. If God called you there, you can't leave until God says go. Come on. Too many people, they preempt God's word from their own desire, it's too, the Israelites, it's too hard. It's an incline. It's too hard. They started to complain, and all of a sudden they were bitten, bitten by snakes. See, if you know where you're called to be, you've got to be there even through adversity. And believe me, we've seen some adversity in 19 years. And guess what? We're still here. Why? God hadn't said go anywhere else. So we're all in. Amen? We're all in the BCF. And we want to see it grow and increase and thrive and flourish. Amen? Right now. 
We're, 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 we're believing God. Are you believing God with me? Yes. Amen. Because we're poised to do that. But aren't you glad that God visited us? Not only did he visit us, not only did he visit us, but he also redeemed us. Because God's a personal God. He put his personal touch on your life. He tapped each one of you and said, I love you, you're mine. Come. I love you, you're mine. Come. I love you, you're mine. Come. You know, he's tapped every one of you. Because he wants you to be a part of this. He wants you to be a part of a relationship with him. He called you out of darkness. That's good. He brought you into the light. That's good. He's forgiven you. That's good. How many are glad that they're forgiven? Say, I'm forgiven. Glory to God. And when you accepted Christ, you became as righteous as he is. When you accept, you're not going to get any more righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. And see, being righteous is a gift. Salvation is a gift of God. It's, it's nothing that we could do or earn or buy. It's a gift. You can either receive it or reject it. But it's a gift. You can't, you, God doesn't give us salvation because he gave salvation to a bunch of sinners. He gave salvation to a bunch of people who were dead in sin, who were separated from the life of God. He gave the gift of salvation to a group of people that couldn't help themselves. We needed a Savior. So a Savior had to come. And he was glad to come. You know, God did not have a conversation with Jesus in heaven and say, Okay, son, I want you to go to earth. He said, Oh, no, I don't think so, Dad. You don't hear that, that conversation in heaven. Jesus was glad to come and give his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for many. He was glad to pay the kidnapper's price of his life. His life was not taken, his life was given. Let me just mention some things that God has given us. According to the word. All right? I'm just a really short time. Well, he's given us all things. Matthew 6.33. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said, all these things will be added or given to you. Say, all things are given to me. Who gave them to you? God. See, when you put him first... He'll make sure you're clothed. He'll make sure you eat. He'll make sure you have housing. He'll make sure you prosper. Even when things don't go in your favor. Did you know that Jacob lost his wages ten times in 20 years? Yet, when the 20th year came, he had more than his employer. How did that happen? It was God. If God can increase sheep, he can do anything. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen? 
If you're on a fixed income, let God unfix it. Let God free up the fixing. All it takes is an adjustment. Right? God has given us authority and power. Matthew 9, 6. Jesus has authority and power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And he got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were all struck and glorified God and praised him who had given such authority and power to men. Are we men? That includes women, by the way. That's mankind. Right? Are are we humans? (laughs) Yes. So God gave us authority. God says, all authority and power in heaven are, are, are mine. Now you therefore go. He's given us the ability to go with his authority and power. God has given us the capacity to hear. How important is that? You've got to know God's will. Psalm 40, verse 6. Psalm 40, verse 6. You have opened my ears and given me the capacity to hear and obey your word. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Aren't you glad we don't don't have to come to church and light up a bull? (laughs) Or a lamb or a goat? Glory to God. We don't have to light it up. We can just let our light shine. (laughs) But God's given us the capacity to hear. He's given us a disciple's tongue. God has given us a disciple's tongue. Isaiah 50 verse 4. Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord God has given me, his servant, the tongue of disciples, or one who is taught, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple, as one who is taught. You know, God will visit you when you wake up. God will visit you when you go to sleep. God will visit you at the coffee or tea or whatever cereal table. Amen? God has given us the earth. I mentioned this earlier, but here's the scripture. Psalm 115, verse 16. Things that, I feel like the the $100,000 pyramid, things that God has given to us. Psalm 115, 16. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Someone say amen. amen. God gave us the earth. It doesn't belong to the global warmers or the tree huggers or the people who want to save animals and abort babies. It belongs to us, so let's not turn it over. God gave Joshua every place where the sole of his foot shall tread. Where's your foot been? What are you standing on? It's yours. God gave us the gift of special faith. Acts 3.16. 
the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health and complete wholeness in your presence. The faith of him. Amen. And don't we have God's faith? We have the same faith that Jesus used when he fed the 5,000. Some things that God has given to us. God has given to us grace and truth. John 1.17. John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He gave us grace and truth. Amen? Nehemiah 12.43. I like this one. God gave us great joy. God didn't give us a dab of joy. He didn't give us a drop of joy. He gave us great joy. Everybody say, great joy. That would make a good TV program. Welcome to great joy. Nehemiah 12, 43. God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. The joy of Palmyra needs to be heard. Amen? What does he give us? Great joy. These are things God has given us our heart's desire. God gives us our heart's desire. Psalm 21 verse 1. Psalm 21 verse 1. Delight in God's strength and salvation makes you rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire. And you have not withheld your request from his lips. So in order to have your delights, your desires met, you've got to delight in him. How do you, Lord say, I welcome your visit. Amen? You're delighting in his presence. Isn't it good just to fellowship with God? To talk with God and to have him talk with you. Amen? Of course, God's given us help. How many could use some help every once in a while? Psalm 89, verse 19. Psalm 89, verse 19. I have given help to the one who is mighty, given him the power to be a champion for Israel. I have exalted the one chosen from the people. And we're joint heirs with him, so he gets it, we get it. Right? He gets it. We get it. Amen? How about God has given us himself? 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 6. 1 Timothy 2, 6. Who gave himself as a ransom to the testimony, the testimony given at the right and proper time. Well, anyway, I've got all the way to Z, but I'm not going to give all the way to Z. I alphabetize some of the things that God has given us according to what the Bible says. Amen? But God's given us everything. There's nothing you could need, want, or desire that God doesn't have. And if he doesn't have it, he can make it because he's a creator. He loves to do a new thing. God doesn't do old things. He does new things. And his mercy is, is not old every morning, but what is it? New, new every morning. You, when you woke up this morning, God had prepared new mercy for you in case that you might make a mistake. Amen? 
You know, it was like the guy that prayed. He said, Lord, help me to have good thoughts and be loving towards everybody and be nice to everyone. And, and he hadn't even gotten out of bed yet. <laughs> Amen. So you can see the generosity of God. In the Christmas story, especially because it's God's greatest gift to the world is Jesus. God's greatest gift to the church is the Holy Spirit. God's a giver. He's a giver of good things. He's a giver of lasting things. And he's a giver of best things. Amen? And God has an abundance. And he wants to give you an abundance. Abundant life. Right? Abundant blessing, more than enough. Amen? So let's stand to our feet, and let's celebrate the fact that our God is a generous God. He's a giving God. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. He's a reliable God. He's a true God. Just start to praise him. Just begin to lift up your voice, and and think about his goodness. Do, do we have that song, When I Think About His Goodness? I don't know if we have that. But just play it. Play whatever. Hallelujah. When you think about His goodness. Just, just play whatever you're playing. That's fine. Begin to praise God. Begin to declare out of your mouth. Be, begin to declare His goodness. Think about the good things He's done. If He's done them then, He'll do them today. He'll do them tomorrow. Our God is good. Begin to praise Him for His goodness. Stir up your hearts and begin to enter into praise of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Spontaneous praise. Explosive praise. This is where we adore God. Where we lift Him up. And as you're praising, if you need healing, if you need help, I want you to come in an atmosphere of praise. And we would love to pray for you, lay our hands on you. If you need anything from God, just make your way up, and we're going to just continue in the atmosphere of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The giver is here, and he's brought some things with him. You will not leave empty-handed. He has come to visit you. He has come to visit you. He knew you were going to be here today. He appointed this for you. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, release your goodness in her life, in her mind, and in her body. In the name of Jesus, give her strength, vitality, and life. Lord, give her boldness. Give her courage. And help her, Father. Help her to overcome. Help her to press in. Help her to walk it out in the name of Jesus. Let the glory of God just come in right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, fill her with your love and your power right now. Fill her with your love and your power in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Your God is good.